0: You're listening to the Fanfic Maverick Podcast, the show where I talk to fanfiction writers about their work and the marvelous world of fanfiction. This show may contain adult themes and language. Listener discretion is advised. The following paragraphs are from a fanfiction story called Winter Covers Everything by today's guest fanfiction author, Jujifruit. Yuko goes with Victor to Hasetsu Airport ignoring how her entire being screams that she should have let him go alone. She's become adept at ignoring a lot of things. In the lobby, Victor paces and paces, Makachin keeping stride. It isn't helping Yuko keep her own emotions under control. Why don't you go sit down? She puts her hand on his shoulder, squeezes it briefly. You'll have a better view anyway. The smile he gives her promptly goes into the box. "'Sit with me,' he says, clasping her hand. "'It isn't my place. "'The thought is so forceful, even though it's untrue, "'that it's impossible for her not to voice it. "'Of course it is.' "'He puts his two fingers over her mouth "'when she opens it to protest, his eyes soft. "'I won't hear another word.' "'His fingers are gone before she can give "'into the overpowering urge to kiss them. "'They sit with an empty seat between them, "'Victor bouncing his leg,' and Yuko fiddling with her jacket zipper. maka chain settles against her legs. She's staring at the arrival board when Maka takes off, running for the windows. Victor's up and after him in a flash, leaving Yuko glued to her seat as she strains for a glimpse of Yuri. They're running in parallel for the lobby door. Yuki puts her chin in her hand and watches. The emotion she feels as Yuri runs into Victor's arms, as they hold each other so tightly is a gentle wave, a sunrise, too amorphous to have a name. That's a lie. She's too afraid to name it. Even with that emotion, she feels like a child as they come towards her arm in arm. She wants to run away, to close her eyes so they can't see her. Instead, when Victor says, you go, come here, and Yuri smiles so widely, she goes to them. She returns their embrace, She lets herself be selfish out loud with them, just this once. Except it's not the first time, and it won't be the last time. the north, south, east, and west, four corners of the world. Greetings from the wild-era desert of the American Southwest. I'm your host, Chaos Blue, and this is the Fanfic Maverick Podcast. Our special guest fanfiction author today is Juji Fruit, also known on AO3 and Fanfiction.net as Sapphire Ocean. She has been a member of AO3 since 2010, and she has a whopping 71 fanfiction works posted there. Because there are so many, I am not going to read out all of the fandoms that she's written for today. But I will say that this massive list of fandoms does include Yuri on Ice and Fruits Basket animes, which we will be discussing today. Juji Fruit is a disabled queer left-hander and a non-traditional college junior currently pursuing her bachelor's degree in human services. She's a Nintendo nerd, hells yeah, who likes to play simple video game music on the piano and she has been hopelessly addicted to farming sims since harvest moon 64 juji fruit welcome to the show how are you on this fine sunday
1: hey i am so excited to be here
0: <laughs> awesome we're so glad to have you before we proceed i do have to warn the audience today my cat philip broke into my studio before we started this recording session And he is currently ensconced up on a shelf in my recording studio, and I am too damn short to reach up there and get him down. I apologize in advance to the audience. If you guys hear any weird sounds in the background, any jingling of bells, that's just my cat, Philip saying hello. So we're going to keep him in the studio today. First time that this has happened, he promises he's going to be quiet, but we will see. Now, Juji Fruit, we always start at the very beginning of people's fan fiction journeys here. So I want to know, when and how did you first discover fanfiction?
1: Sure. So I was around 9 and 10 at the time. So Pokemon and The Legend of Zelda are two of my longest standing fandoms, and I found them around the same time. So the game Ocarina of Time had just come out, and I immediately fell in love with the relationship between two of the main characters, Link and Zelda. It was like the princess and her knight. Like, it's classic. How can you not? (laughs) Right? And then, at the same time, I had just discovered the Pokemon anime and immediately fell into Poke Shipping Hell, which is Ash and Misty, <laughs> so that led to me just like googling I was probably something like Lincoln' Zelda stories or Ash and Misty Stories, something like that, and I remember it led me to like fandom specific fanfic sites, so it was like I found North Castle, which is a Zelda site that is still around today and this fanfic and fanart site called the Pokemon Tower. And my mind was just like blown. Like all these people writing all these different kinds of stories, like that's a thing that you can do. And it was just, I couldn't believe it. Like, and I just would spend so much time looking over both of those sites and reading the stories and being like, this is amazing.
0: Oh, that must have been so cool to fall in love with the stories and the characters from canon. And then you find this whole treasure trove of stories and you're just like, what the hell is this? This is so cool. That's awesome. And I love that you remember the old fandom archive sites. I had an author on earlier in the year who also discovered fanfiction through Pokemon and she remembers all of the pairing specific Pokemon fanfiction. Oh my God, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Did you ever go to those?
1: Yeah, definitely. It was like Ash and Misty and what was it? Team Rocket, Jesse and James, like those were like my original OTPs. Yes. (laughs) That was all I needed. (laughs) (laughs) Yes,
0: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So that's so cool that you remember that and that that was your first fan fiction experience. Do you remember about how old you were when you discovered that?
1: Yeah, I was about probably around nine or ten. And I know fanfiction.net came along later. I just I have no memory how I found that site. I, I probably found it by accident. I got into Yu-Gi-Oh at some point, and I think that's when that brought up FanFiction.net, and I was like, "Okay, like this is the site," <laughs> or it was at the time. This was like way pre-purge. I like <laughs> yes, yes, way pre-all that
0: pre- <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, and it's funny because I feel like most of us don't remember how we discovered FanFiction.net. I certainly don't. I just remember being on it in the early two thousands all the time. Yeah, same. I have no freaking idea how I got there.
1: It was just like always there. like.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, I think it was, uh, I don't know. I think Harry Potter was involved or something. Because I mean, I've said this yeah. a million times on the show, but I mostly read Harry Potter fanfiction on fanfiction.net. So I'm sure that I clicked on a link somewhere on a website and found it that way. <laughs> but yeah, anyway. But what inspired you from discovering fanfiction to then wanting to become a writer yourself?
1: There wasn't really any singular moment where I was like, I want to do that, like, a a sort of, like, um, a light bulb moment. But I kind of feel like I always had, for lack of a better word, like, a storytelling gene in me, because, like, one of my earliest memories is when I was seven years old, and I know I was seven because that was when my twin brother got glasses, and he was playing Mario Brothers all the time in the background, and I would sit in the living room, and I would just, like, talk into... Tape recorders for like what felt like hours on end, and I would just I don't know I'd be talking about my day or this and that. I don't even remember why I was so obsessed with that, but at some point I just started like telling my own stories into the tape recorder, and I remember specifically there was like what I called the adventures of Tiger and Lion because tigers were like Baby Judy's favorite animal, and I would tell stories about them palling around in the jungle and doing this that and the other thing, and And my dad would take the tapes and transcribe them. And, like, I still have the little booklets around somewhere of the stories. And they're, like, five pages long. (laughs) But there's, like, this little trilogy about this tiger who goes around and gets into fun adventures and stuff. And then soon after that, we got our first PC. And I found Notepad. I found Microsoft Word. And this really funky little computer program called Creative Writer 2 And no, I don't know why we didn't have Creative Writer 1, but, like, at that point, it was, like, all over for me. It was like, okay, here's the page backgrounds, they have borders, they have clip arts, they have so many fonts. And, like, my mind just went, like, crazy, like, decorating what I was writing, like, making fake posters for stuff. And at some point along then, I was like, I'm going to write a fanfic. I didn't call it that because I still wasn't sort of like used to the word even though I had been reading fanfic for a long time at that point but that's the program that I started writing on and I just sort of like slid into that without like I'm gonna be a writer this is what I'm doing I'm just like oh I've been telling these stories with my voice so now I'm gonna just type them that's gonna be cool it was that kind of thing I love that that
0: storytelling was such an integral part of your personality and who you are as a person right that you were always doing it Like, I love that story. And I love that your dad was so supportive of that, that he encouraged that for you. And he put together little booklets for you. That is so stinking cool. I love that.
1: Yeah, and my mom totally was too, but dad was the more computer-starved person at the time, so he'd be the one that would transcribe them. And (laughs) yeah.
0: (laughs) That is so sweet. I love that. Do you remember what fandom you wrote your first fanfiction in?
1: I remember the first fanfic, like I committed to writing, which may have not been the first one that I ever wrote, but it was Legend of Zelda, and I, like, even made a cover for it with, like, a Microsoft Paint, like, Trisforce, and stuff like that. So, like, at that point, I had played Ocarina of Time multiple times, like, with my brother and by myself, and I finally got to the point where it's like, okay, I've read all these stories, I have something to say myself, let's go. So, I got about five short chapters in, and it was adventure slash romance with uh link and zelda and at the time there was this fan on lore going around about something called the book of mudora in zelda fandom and it was like you know this book of spells or some such other thing it was the kind of thing where like every writer had a different conception of what it was and so i just knew i wanted to write okay, Lincoln's able to find it and blah, blah, blah. Some kind of catastrophe happens and it's time to save the world. And <laughs> I remember specifically like a short chapter where like they get caught out in the rain and have to go into this cave. And it's like the sort of like stereotypical romance tropes of like cuddling for warmth and this and that and almost confessing their loves, but then they don't. And then after that, I don't know what happened, but I forget. I don't remember what happened to it. I mean, I do remember definitely I went through it I hate this, it's all bad. I'm embarrassed and I just like yeeted it into the ether. <laughs> but like part of, part of me wishes I hadn't done that because I'd like to go back and see like this is like really where I started and maybe, you know, it could be something completely different nowadays. So like sometimes I'll have to figure out if I can find my own notes and see what I can make out of it. And, like
0: Right. Right. Because you know, it is so interesting, I think, to go back to our early work and we were just first starting out. And even though it's like embarrassing and it's like, oh my God, what the fuck was I thinking? You know, (laughs) sometimes it is really just cool to see where we started and to compare it with our work now, just as evidence that we've grown and changed and stuck with something. Do you remember what it felt like though, writing that project? Like, was it energizing? Was it. Oh, yeah. Absolutely.
1: I like it was the kind of thing where it's like, if I wasn't writing it, I was thinking about writing it. It, it. it was that whole thing where it's like, I'm doing whatever I'm doing. My brain is just like, I want to be writing like a hundred percent of the time. And then whenever I was writing it, I would just be like, it was just me and the words. And that was it. I was like completely unaware of anything else for <laughs> the time that I was writing. Like it could be the kind of thing where my- my brother would be like, dude, can we go XYZ? I'm busy later, please. He's like, okay.
0: <laughs> you were in the zone. yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I love that I get into the zone myself when I'm working on a project that I'm really into. And it's my favorite thing because I will lose track of time. I will forget my name. I will forget the things I'm supposed to do that day. I will forget to eat. And I love to eat, okay? <laughs>
1: like, but there's, yeah,
0: there's just something so special about being in that zone. So I love that. That's so cool. I wanted to get your thoughts about fan fiction as a general concept. We like talking on this show about what fan fiction is, what makes it so special, what makes it worth writing and reading. Everybody has different thoughts and opinions on that. And I was hoping you could share some of your thoughts on that about what makes fan fiction amazing.
1: Absolutely. So there are three things that come off the top of my head. And like the first is fanfic is a way to fill in like the quote unquote gaps in canon. Like, you know, whether it's pre-canon or post-canon or like missing scenes, deleted scenes, that sort of thing. It's a way to fill in those gaps and explore what could be or what might have been. And then the second thing is that for characters who are, like, minor characters in canon as it is, like, they can have more focus and get their own stories and their own motivations. And the third thing is, honestly, it's it's a way to spend more time in that fandom. Like, whether it's because it's a TV show that's finished or cancelled or there's not a new game in the series coming out, or even if it is, like, an active canon and that sort of thing, it's just another way to to spend more time with the characters and just explore new avenues that way. It's it's like when you really love a thing, you want to spend more time, do more activities, like, surrounding that thing, and I I feel like fanfic is one of those things, of course. Absolutely it is. Absolutely.
0: I love that last point the most, I think, because ultimately I think that we all love fanfiction and we're obsessed with it out of love, right? We love something so much and we just want to spend more time with it. And honestly, it's sort of a vehicle, you know, fanfiction especially is just this vehicle where we're using fandom and fandom characters to explore the world around us in a particular way through the eyes and ears of those characters and that world. It's just kind of a a really cool thing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) The fiction is amazing. So I'm glad. I'm so glad that uh, you have some awesome thoughts about that. So we've been emailing back and forth for a couple months now. And (laughs) we actually discovered that we share some things in our background that are pretty similar as far as growing up. I've never talked about this on the show before, but I was homeschooled all through school. So we're talking like kindergarten through high school. And it's not something that I talk about very often, but we discovered that we have that in common. You were also homeschooled. And I did want to spend a couple minutes here just kind of talking about that real quick, because I actually don't get to talk very often to other people that have that in common with me. I grew up in Southern California, not in a rural area at all, So homeschooling was not a common or popular thing back in the 80s and 90s. So I was the only kid, right, that was homeschooled. And that made for some really awkward interactions with my peers, Uh, (laughs) you know, because other kids just didn't understand it. Other kids in the neighborhood would be like, why don't you get on the bus with everybody else when the school bus comes and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) And I just remember, like, kids in the neighborhood would come over and they would ask all of these like crazy awkward questions you know they would make fun of me yeah, yeah. for one thing and then I remember that they would always ask me do you go to school in your pajamas and I'd be like <laughs> Why? <I don't> <laughs> what do I go to school in my pajamas I had this one kid that asked me if I owned shoes and I was like <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes yes, I own shoes. Like I do leave the house on occasion and I have shoes. It was just like crazy shit like that. So (laughs) I was kind of wondering if you could reminisce here with me for just a little bit. What was that experience like for you?
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, by the time me and my twin brother came along, uh, my parents were like veteran homeschoolers because they had homeschooled my older sister as well. And they were in New York and Massachusetts, and homeschooling was literally illegal until like the mid '90s. Oh no, kidding! So they were already like committed to like homeschooling philosophy and things. And so for me, a couple things that I remember was just like infinite reading time. Like uh, books were important to my parents, and they passed that along to me as well. And I would just read everything. I read fiction and nonfiction. I I was super into Nancy Drew at one point. At another point, I was. Like really into uh, Native American history and historical fiction, and my parents they believed in this style of homeschooling that I think it's called unschooling now. It was called something a little different back then, but it, it's basically not as structured. It's like not okay. Hour one we do this. Hour two we do this. It's what do we want to explore today? And like they would let us take the lead. So there would be like deep dives for weeks into whatever topic that I was interested in at the time. I remember. You know, I went through like an ocean life phase. I went through a phase about astronomy and the planets and the stars. And I don't, does, does every kid have a dinosaur phase or is that just me? (laughs) (laughs) I think
0: every kid has at least one dinosaur phase.
1: (laughs) I I was like, um, Apotosaurus forever. Okay. Like that's my (laughs) dinosaur. Yes. (laughs) So what I remember is the freedom to learn what we wanted to learn. And like, you know, my parents, they obviously guide us through the basics like you know it's the things that every kid that should know so like basic math and that sort of thing but my memories are taken up with my my intense interests and sitting for hours reading piles of books from the library
0: <laughs> nice no i am absolutely familiar with the unschooling method because my mom discovered that when i was about 12 and about the age of 12 is when she didn't really know what to do with me anymore right uh, And so she was Uh, like, well, just do what you want and learn about what you want. And what did I want? I wanted two things. I wanted to read and I wanted to play the piano. I had been taking lessons at that point for about 10 years. And so it's funny when you say that you like playing video game music on the piano because I had this entire booklet of sheet music from Final Fantasy that I found on the internet. Yeah. And I would print that shit out. And I would play that shit like for five hours a day. That was my school. Amazing. Yeah, I loved it. Moonwaltz, people. Moonwaltz. It's so much fun to play. It's great. So there was that. And then, yeah, the rest of my time, I didn't want to do anything else but read books and write. I loved fan fiction in my teens, but I didn't write it. I was writing original short stories in my teen years. And so that's what I would do. I would read, play the piano and write stories. I'm not sure if that was good or bad because, like, obviously I wasn't focusing on a lot of other things besides those things, but I do have a lot of reading under my belt. So, for whatever that's worth, I don't know.
1: <laughs> well, I think it's worth a lot, but I'm biased. so. <laughs> uh, yeah,
0: I'm biased too because, like, for me, literature and reading is the coolest thing in the entire world. One of the reasons why I'm so obsessed with fan fiction. So for me, it was really cool to have that free time to be able to focus on that and do that. It's kind of sad that now in my adult life, I actually do have to structure my time. I have to go to work. I have to do my responsibilities. I have to pay bills and all that shit because I got so used to having my free time (laughs) when I was a kid, right? So it's like, uh, (laughs) I'm not used to (laughs) all of the structure. It sucks. But whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I wanted to kind of transition here into your experience with anime a little bit. I was old when I first discovered anime. My cousin is really into it, and she introduced me to anime when I was 24 years old. I remember we went into her room one weekend. She had a TV in there, which I'm just saying that in the late 90s, early 2000s, that was a big deal, people, to have a TV in your room. And she had the original Fruits Basket series on DVD and she pops it into the player and she's like, we're going to sit down and we're going to watch this whole thing this weekend and you're going to like it. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And played the entire Fruits Basket series and I fell in love with it. What's your background here with anime and Fruits Basket and what do you love about it, all that stuff?
1: Yeah, so... I became an anime fan before I knew what anime was, because Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh. But for some reason, like my brain was just like, "Those are cartoon," which, which you know, they are cartoons. Yeah. But I hadn't realized like they were Japanese cartoons. So Fruits Basket was the first anime that I discovered when I knew what anime was, and this was mid two thousands or so because my sister got me the first manga volume of Fruits Basket as a sixteenth birthday gift. She kind of. Was seeing my budding anime manga fan tendencies before i was and she was like okay this is the most popular shojo manga which uh, shojo is manga geared toward girls and young women and it's like you know this is the most popular manga in the u.s right now so and i thought you might like it and i fell in love from the first volume like in the first couple of volumes alone there were, there were themes about found family about grief and loss and working through trauma and like i absorbed it all like a sponge and the art was beautiful and i i still don't really know what drew me to it i just knew what i was reading was like unlike anything i'd ever read before and shortly after i got involved in the manga i started watching the anime and i i distinctly remember it was on cartoon network for a while but there's like this black hole between me like watching it live-ish on television and getting like the box set of the anime because one thing that happened really fast was like i need everything fruits basket immediately oh, right, <laughs> so right i i got the box set anime so I, like i wouldn't have done that if i had not already watched the anime but i don't remember how i discovered it but i just i do remember it's like i'm hearing these characters voices after reading about them and they, they seem so faithful to the to the story and the music oh my god the the original fruits basket soundtrack is I'm completely biased, but I think it's one of the greatest soundtracks of any anime ever. It's gorgeous, (laughs) Um, is it not? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it really is. And Fruits Basket has been a part of my life for, like, you know, more than half of my life. And I've just reread it multiple times and rewatched it. And it's always had a deeper meaning to me, but it just grew deeper as I grew up with the series and experienced, like, my own grief and my own loss. And Fruits Basket was a way to work through that. 'Cause I I could see like what I was feeling and thinking reflected in so many of the characters. And I just I, I don't think I can say anything that would convey how much that series means to me in, in all its forms and, and how much I love it. It's extremely important to me.
0: That's one of the things that I love the most about anime. I wouldn't consider myself like like a hyper anime person. I'm very selective with the ones that I watch. But one of the things that I love about anime in general is the deep character development and the deep storylines because so many anime stories are exactly about what you just described it's about loss it's about trauma it's about healing it's about all of these like really serious topics done in such a beautiful way so i can absolutely see how that would be so super meaningful to you especially fruits basket the tone of that whole story is so serious. It really is. Like, there there are light moments Absolutely. of levity. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? But it is so serious when you get into the actual deeper story.
1: Yeah, exactly. Just the other day, I, I was talking with some fandom friends about it, and they were just, like, discussing. It's like, what in the world would it have been like if, if it had, like, a more sad or neutral ending? And, like, the collective response was like, nope don't want it. We deserve this happy ending. It's perfect. Like <laughs> There's no way, other way it could have ended because <laughs> it's so heavy.
0: Yeah. It, the whole thing was so heavy. And to have that, you know, happier ending, I think was probably good, which is like, you know, it's funny because in anime, you kind of never know what you're going to get. I feel like, like sometimes yeah, you yeah. do get the happier ending and sometimes you really don't. So <laughs> it just kind of depends. It really depends. I was curious. Did you ever like, attend any of the anime conventions
1: or anything like that? Because I did. <laughs> <laughs> I did, but not until not until I was an adult. My first con was Boston Comic Con back in like 2017, and I was able to meet like some of my childhood voice acting idols. I'm still not over it. I don't think I ever will be. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, of but... course not. Like that's a once in a lifetime opportunity, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so cool. That's awesome. Yeah, my cousin took me to uh, anime what is it called? Anime Expo out there in Orange oh, yeah. County in Los Angeles. And I went twice and it was so super cool. That was still back when I didn't really have that much exposure to anime. So I discovered a lot of new series there. I watched Howl's Moving Castle for the first time at Anime Expo. To this day, that's my favorite Studio Ghibli film of all time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so cool. Oh, I love it. But it was, it was a fun experience. We cosplayed, you know, it was super cool. Now, have you watched the new version of Fruits Basket? Because I understand that there's a new version that is available on, what, Hulu somewhere?
1: Uh-huh. I have. I'm halfway through the second season because I'm doing like this semi-live blog screen cap thing, and time has gotten away from me, and I, I want to watch the rest of it before I do that. And, and I'm-, I'm holding off on the third season because... It's a lot shorter compared to the previous two, and I'm, I'm kind of not over some of, like, the cuts and things. Like, oh, the life of being an obsessive fan, but <laughs> I will get to it. <laughs> if you told me back when I had gotten into Fruits Basket that would we'd eventually have a reboot, like, you know, I would not have believed you. Like, oh my goodness, it's gorgeous. Another amazing soundtrack, and just seeing it in modern animation style with a lot of the same dub voice actors as well. So it's like, you know, my childhood being, <laughs> being brought into the future. It's fantastic. I can't recommend it highly enough. Oh, that's cool.
0: Would you say that the tone of the reboot is similar to the tone of the original, or did they completely revamp that?
1: For the most part, yes. The the original focuses a lot more on the comedy aspects, so I would say that the reboot is much closer to the manga in terms of tone, but it still kept a lot of the moments of levity from the original series and added a bunch in because it was a much more faithful retelling of the manga and and they had more time to add in little scenes that were taken out so the reboot versus the original it's sort of apples and oranges like i love them both dearly but they're very different creatures and the manga is kind of the definitive version and i dearly wish that like more people would have access to reading it as well and, and just see the differences nice okay
0: I'm going to have to give that reboot a chance. One of these days, I don't have a lot of time to watch TV these days, but one of these days, it is on my list of things to do eventually because I do kind of want to compare the new reboot. I heard that, and you'll have to forgive me because I don't remember anime characters' names very well. My brain just won't do it. So I don't remember his name, but in the original, The Uncle, he was kind of like the comedy guy. Mm, You know, he brought in the jokes and stuff. And I heard that they really toned him down a lot in the new reboot (laughs) (laughs) version.
1: They did. So his name is Shigure. He was very much the comic relief in both the original and the reboot, because the original was airing, like the manga was far away from being finished at that point. So a lot more nuance in the character and his darker aspects, like they wouldn't, get anywhere near them because it just wasn't covered in the time span they had covered so he just toned down a lot in the reboot
0: I just loved how inappropriately excited he would get when high school girls right? would come over. I still sing that oh song all the time. Yeah, high
1: school Same. girls, high school girls, <laughs> high school girls for me. Yeah, it's half my favorite. Thing. Like, cringe, and the other half was this. This is hilarious. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, so wildly inappropriate, but so funny. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. That's great. That's great. I'll have to give that a try because I, I have heard that it's, uh, it's worth definitely uh, watching the reboot. So Now, Yuri on Ice, I am 100% unfamiliar with this. Your story was my first introduction to this particular anime, so you're going to have to educate me just a little bit here. What is your background with Yuri on Ice, and what do you love the most about that particular anime? All
1: right, so short version. Yuri on Ice is an ice skating sports anime and it aired back in 2016. And ice skating, again, it's something that I've loved literally since I was a toddler. I remember for a while there, like, in the 90s, Michelle Kwan, like, was my entire world. Um, She's one of the most famous American figure skaters of all time. Every time the Winter Olympics came on, I'd be like, ice skating, ah! So, like, when the announcement came out, It was like, we're going to have this anime about ice skating. Like, that's all I needed to say. I was going to watch every second of this, (laughs) no matter what it was like. (sighs) So, as for the show itself, there's a lot that's unique about it. The music is beautiful. The arc of the main character, um, Yuri, was very important to me because I related a lot to his problems with self-worth and, like, believing in himself and physical challenges, you know, trying to be the best at ice skating and get to the Grand Prix and that sort of thing. And also, an uh, interesting thing about Yuri and Ice is that it's a love story between Yuri and this other man, Victor, who his his coach. And it's really rare in anime to have gay relationships that like they're they're not branded as, you know, this is a quote unquote boys' love anime. It's like just like this really natural thing in the skating anime. And their their story is just really beautiful and handled really well, and they both have their own arcs. And I I don't know, I just got really invested in all the characters and like the drama of climbing up this ladder. And also the second thing was it showed me that ice skating is not just confined to to the Winter Olympics. It has a season like, you know, baseball and basketball. And so like while this was airing, I was suddenly right back into being obsessed with ice skating and like recording all the events and discovering all these real life skaters, some of whom were actually getting involved in the Uriana Ice fandom. So it was this huge meta thing surrounding something that I have loved for almost as long as I've been alive and it was just it was amazing
0: oh that's awesome that is so cool that you had that aspect of your fandom experience along with the canon the show and all of that the storyline sounds really really cool I've never seen it but I know that it's fairly popular on AO3 I see stories for it posted up there all the time so I can absolutely understand why folks get really invested in the storyline that sounds beautiful absolutely beautiful. You have written stories for both of those fandoms. You wrote Be Present, Be Willing to Love, which is your Fruits Basket fic. And then you also wrote Winter Covers Everything, which is your Yuri on Ice fic. I read both of them and loved them both dearly. I was hoping that you could tell us a little bit about these fics. What are they about? What inspired you to write these two particular stories? And were there any themes that you were hoping to communicate with these pieces?
1: Yeah, so for Be Present, Be Willing to Love, that actually was inspired by a comment I received on this uh, ficklet collection I have about Fruits Basket called A Smile That Melts Everything Away. And it's focused on Kyo and Yuki and Toru, who are the main trio of Fruits Basket. And this commenter put forth a headcanon and a plot money about how the three of them might react to Kyo having a nightmare. And so at this point I hadn't I hadn't written very much for the three of them that could be considered like canon compliant. It would be just like head canon scribbles or tiny AUs and that sort of thing. And so I just I really jumped at this plot bunny. I wanted to explore sort of a, a post canon si- situation centered around the three of them and I wanted to get across the strength that it takes to overcome and to deal with trauma and post-traumatic stress, and I wanted to convey that the care that exists between these three characters and just let them have this collective moment of peace and safety. And then for Winter Covers Everything, it came out of a tiny little plot bunny that I got like three episodes into watching the anime, and it sat around on my computer for like four years, (laughs) but that was inspired by three different things. Oh, first of all, so it's pretty much a retelling of Yuri and Ice from the point of view of this character named Yuko, who in canon she gets very little screen time and she's she's a minor character. She's not the focus of the series. So it was inspired specifically by episode three where they introduce Yuko and her relationship with Yuri, because I am Utter trash for childhood friends trope. Okay, um, and so and secondly by Yuko herself because I have a tendency I just when a female character shows up I tend to latch onto them and take them under my wing as it were. Cause, uh, and especially if if they're minor characters. And the third thing was well I was well into my predilection for rare cracky polyships. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So. When it occurs, everything is Yuri and Ice from Yuka's point of view with a polyship ship twist. And as for themes, this is my first ever Yuri and Ice fic, and I hadn't really spent any time with these characters. So the theme sort of came out organically, but I started from a place of like, okay, how how do I treat these characters with care and have this seem, you know, somewhat plausible within the realm of the show? Because my polyship ship inserts a third character into like the biggest ship in the fandom which is a male male ship and there's always i feel like you have to tread carefully about that especially when it's a a canon ship because obviously like you know that queer representation in the canon of fandom is is something extremely rare and i don't i don't know if this is still a thing or if it was only ever just a thing in anime fandoms but there would be this thing about it's like you know there was such hate dumped onto female characters who were perceived of as getting in the way of the fan favorite male ship and so i was honestly expecting a lot of blowback from that and the little feedback that i've received has been positive and not negative which i am grateful for and is amazing <laughs> i love these characters and i want to treat them this sounds really silly but i want to treat them in the way that i felt that they deserved and it's like you know keep them close to their canon personalities and this, that, and the other thing. I mean, long story short, it was born out of I want to explore Yuko's life and, and create my own backstory for her and see where that takes me. And it turned into this the longest one shot that I've ever written. So there you go.
0: I'm so glad to hear that you didn't get any blowback for that. One thing, and this might be a generalization, I don't really consider myself heavy into anime fandoms. So, what goes on in those fandoms, I am not familiar with at all. But I am part of the Reddit writing forum for fan fiction. And there are a lot of people there that talk all the time about the crazy drama that happens specifically in anime fandoms, especially when it comes to shipping choices. And I have always been a little wary of that. Like, oh my God, that's so crazy. And I don't know why it seems to be specifically focused in the anime fandoms. Maybe that's just. My perspective, and it's not that way, but it certainly seems that way to me. So I am so glad to hear that you didn't get any blowback for that because that does seem to happen from time to time in certain anime fandoms. But with your Yuri on Ice Fic, Winter Covers Everything. I was in love from the very beginning with the style in which you told this story, because it is a one-shot, very long one shot. (laughs) But it's this beautiful one-shot where you take us through her childhood up to adulthood, and the tone of the entire story is so soft and so nostalgic. You just fall in love with her character. Not knowing anything about Yuri, when I went into that story, I didn't know that she was a minor character. So the way that you were so careful with her, and she was the star of the entire story, I felt so connected to her by the end. I love that you
1: did that. It's
0: freaking beautiful.
1: That makes me so happy to hear because that's like, that's what I wanted to accomplish with that. Like I knew that I loved her so much and I felt like that was hopefully getting through what I was writing, but I, I'm just so happy to have that confirmed, you know, (laughs) for you that it worked.
0: Yeah, it absolutely did. And it was just so beautiful to see it from her perspective and from her eyes. And I think I do want to go back to her later on as we cover some of these other topics that we'll be talking today, because I have more to say about that. But I also loved your Fruits Basket one shot too, because, you know, obviously that's like my first anime. Fruits Basket will always have that special place <laughs> in my heart. But I loved seeing the poly ship dynamic in the Fruits Basket fic be present, be willing to love. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, it's been a while since I've seen Fruits Basket, but I always got this sense that there was this really crazy tension between Kyo and Yuki the entire show, right? They're at odds, they don't get along, all of that.
1: Oh my god, absolutely. Right? It's (laughs) all
0: solved with the polyship dynamic. (laughs) Because the instant you let him in to that relationship, right? And he gets to be a part of it instead of standing outside of it. That was the theme of the entire show, is he stands outside of the circle every time, right? And he just wants exactly. to be included and wants to be loved and wants to be part of something. And you let him do that in your story by bringing him into this poly ship dynamic with the other two. And it solves all of the drama.
1: Which I love. Like, yeah, I mean, half of my reason for shipping polyships is like, okay, I'm over ship wars, love triangles are boring, (laughs) character A has two hands, like.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So that's one of the things that you love the most about polyships is they do tend to resolve that awkward relationship drama of the relationship triangle, which I agree with.
1: (laughs) And for these three specifically, like in canon, all three of them have Big relationships, I don't know how to say it. So, spoiler alert, Kyo and Turu are the endgame couple, and their canon story is beautiful. They are forever an OTP of mine. I will never be over them. And Yuki and Kyo, yeah, they have this really intense rivalry, and it's all about, it stems from, like, the history of this clan that they're in. It was something, like, they were born into, and they almost didn't have a choice, and it's revealed in the manga that uh, when they first met, like, their foundation is actually that of jealousy and admiration and all this complicated thing and if just one thing had happened differently they could have been friends and the weight of this curse that's on them makes that not possible but like yukinkyo like from the first page where one of my original rivalships it's impossible not to notice that tension and to make something different out of it it's just it's impossible and then for Yuki and Toru, <laughs> that actually came out of a little bit of a self-insert thing because I was intensely relating to Taru's flustered reactions whenever she was around Yuki. And so I was like, I wish I could be her so she can get with Kyo and I can have Yuki. Like, I been 16, okay? <laughs> <These things. laughs> I was like, D- I know he's not real. Let me have this. <laughs> but so, and like, as much as I like Kyo and Toru, I also like Yuki and Taru for like, completely different reasons they just have a completely different dynamic and so it's interesting to me that i'd been in the fandom for like i don't know like 12 years or something and suddenly had a light bulb moment it's like wait i can just have them all be together that's a thing that i can do because i think at that point i had probably discovered the golden trio from harry potter which is polish with harry ron and hermione and oh boy was i around for the harry hermione versus ron hermione um, <laughs> <laughs> that was a thing oh um, god and I was just like, I don't get what the big deal is. I like all three of them. I like Ron and Hermione, and, and Harry's cute, and this and that. And then, you know, got to a few years later, and I was like, wait a minute. Simple solution. <laughs> Honestly, polyship.
0: I discovered it, I think, for the first time in Star Trek. I didn't know what that even was, because it wasn't present in any of the fandoms that I was in. And then... I went through this Star Trek phase maybe six or seven years ago and started going back and reading a lot of the reboot fan fictions for the Star Trek reboots and stuff. And there were people writing like Polyship stuff between Kirk, Spock, and Dr. McCoy. First time I've ever seen that shit in my life. And I was like, why do I love this so much? What the fuck is this? And I went in there and I clicked on that Polyship tag and spent three weeks down the rabbit hole. Oh, my God. (laughs) Reading everything I could get my hands on. And I was utterly fascinated by the way that inserting a third character into the relationship dynamic changes the entire thing. Not in a bad way at all. (laughs) Like, in this beautiful way where he just fits right in and brings something that was missing, you know? Yeah, Exactly. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, my God. So that was my first introduction to the whole polyship concept. And then from there, I just like (laughs) went all over the place. And it shows up now in a lot of the different fandoms that I'm in because I think that a lot of other people are kind of also having that polyship awakening of like, oh, we can actually just let them all be together (laughs) without all all of the crazy Mm -hmm. rivalship. And it's actually really cool to watch how the three characters interact. It's beautiful. And I love it. There's just something... So endearing about it.
1: Yeah, exactly. And the thing about polyships, too, it's like, I mean, I have always been a multi-shipper in the first place. So I know some people would probably be like, well, why don't you just ship the different permutations? And first of all, I do do that. But like you said, it's just, it's a completely different dynamic. And it depends on the ship. It's really hard to describe. I think, too, like, aside from, like, two-person ships that are are same-sex or what have you, polyships are... Inherently queer, no matter what the gender configuration is, and they're you know even less accepted in real life than other queer configurations, and that's just another way to I- explore another way of living, another way of having relationships. It's fascinating to me to write and also to read. Absolutely, I agree with that a hundred percent because it is a thing that happens
0: in real life, right? And I mm-hmm. think that. People who are in polyamorous relationships in modern times today, they are starting to talk about it more, right? It's starting to become something that's talked about out in the open. It is really cool to see this come out on the fan fiction side. You're right. It is just another way of living. It's another way that people find a lot of satisfaction and beauty in their real life relationships. I know people personally who are in polyamorous relationships and are so happy. And so I think it just really depends. It's beautiful to see such positive representation of that on the page in fan fiction. I absolutely love that. I think that one of the things that I really loved about your Winter Covers Everything was that you allowed us to experience the main character's journey with polyamory and her internal journey with that. And I really loved that because there are parts in this story where she's describing the discovery of her feelings in that way. And I especially loved the parts where she's watching the other two characters together. And instead of feeling that intense jealousy, she's describing how beautiful it is. She loves watching them together. She loves watching them in love. And instead of this being this horrible thing for her, She just loves watching the people that she loves in love. That was so great to me because I don't think I've ever read a polyship story myself that described that particular feeling, right? Because I feel like so many people who are not in a polyamorous relationship look into that type of dynamic and where does their mind go, right? Instantly, they're thinking, oh, I could never do that. I would be so jealous. I'm such a jealous person. I could never watch someone that I love be in love with somebody else while also being in love with me. You know what I'm saying?
1: And yeah, then, yeah,
0: You know, to explore that <laughs> with your character here in your one shot and to realize for her that's not the experience.
1: Yeah. And, like, I think since Yuko is a female character and and I identify as female too, like, whether I want to or not, I sort of start seeing things through her eyes or imagining, like, okay, if I were in a similar situation, how would I feel? And And some of what I wrote about her discovering was... Something that I felt that I discovered too, like I, for me in real life, I don't know if, if being into poly ships means that I'm polyamorous necessary, but I like her, like I feel like I have the ability to be with someone who is polyamorous. Like, like you know, for her, like seeing them in love with their other special person, and also knowing that there's just as much room in their heart for me, like that sounds like something that would be really nice and something that I might want. Back to like sort of thick writing mode, like me personally, like, I'm just, I'm not into stories where there's so much jealousy or 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 cattiness between two characters over this other character. Like I'm just, I'm over that. I don't want to read it. I don't want to write it. So I don't. And I go for this softer, gentler, I don't even know what to call it. But like, you know, it's just classic, like, write what you want to read. And that's what I realized I wanted to read. So I'm gonna heck and write it. <laughs> yeah, like, to me, it feels like
0: These types of stories, instead of, like you said, focusing on the jealousy and the love triangle and the drama of all of that, right? These stories have a way of expanding the love and just opening it up and opening up your mind, honestly, to alternative ways of looking at that situation. We can expand the borders here a little bit. We can expand the circle and let more love in, right? I don't know. There's just something very beautiful about it that I love, too. I absolutely love it. And I see it in so many different fandoms. And every time that I see it, I just think, oh, my gosh, this is so great. I read this one MCU story one time and polyamorous ships were not actually the highlight of this fanfiction story. But there was a small reference to Tony Stark being married to Pepper Potts. And in this particular fan fiction story, Pepper Potts has a side relationship with, I think it was Black Widow. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And somebody says to Tony in, this, in the fan fiction story, doesn't that bother you? Aren't you jealous? And in the story, he just smiles and he says, no, I love Pepper. And she deserves to have as much love in her life as she can possibly find. Why would I be angry that she has found other people who love her just as much as I do?
1: Okay, that right there is the shit that I live for, first of all. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Second of all, the MCU, there's actually a canonical tag on AO3 that says, everyone is poly because of Avengers. Like, <laughs> which I find very funny. That's the other thing, like, it just puts a whole different dynamic on, like, team fic and that sort of thing, and I have, like, rose-colored glasses on about this, but I also feel like it expands people's minds to, like, the, the breadth of platonic relationships that there can be in between things and different configurations and that platonic familial like support bonds like they're just as legitimate and worthy of love as as romantic relationships are i i, I don't know about you but I, I get the feeling that you know ro- romantic relationships are like on this pedestal way up here like in most media and then friendship is like the 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 stepping stone to romance or what you have you i i feel like that's been happening less but I definitely still see it and I I guess what I like to try to do with my writing is hopefully like sideways expand that conversation or whatever. I don't know if I can do that or if I am but like that's one of my subconscious goals when I write what I do and
0: Oh you are you are you absolutely are you absolutely expanded the way that I understand people who see themselves and others through this polyship lens so absolutely and I love The way that you use the word expand to begin with, because I feel like that is really what this theme is all about, is just expanding the realm of possibility when it comes to interpersonal relationships. I think that's beautiful. So I do have a favorite, I don't know if I want to call it like a favorite line or paragraph or what have you from your work here. I was hoping I could pull it up here and read it really quick. Oh, for sure. Because I just thought it was so beautiful. This is from Winter Covers Everything. I feel like maybe this is Yuri talking. This is what he s- says. And I'm I'm not sure if he's talking or just thinking out loud or what this is, but he says, love exists all around me, all kinds of love. And so my theme of love isn't something clear cut. It's more complicated than that. It encompasses love for my family, my hometown, love for the support Victor has shown me. He smiles at the camera then before his eyes move to Victor, and that same smile softens. And my feelings towards the people I want to hold on to, I don't have a name for that emotion, but I've decided to call it love. Freaking loved that. (laughs) Freaking loved that. It was gorgeous. I think this is a press conference. I think he's having a press conference here and he's talking. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But it was just so beautiful because it kind of goes back to what you were just saying that these don't just cover like the romantic relationships, but it expands out into friendly platonic ones, too, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly. A couple of lines from that paragraph are lifted straight from canon, and, and I tweaked them a little bit to, to get across what I was trying to say. But I, I remember hearing the canon version, and I'm like, that's beautiful. I have to, to include that somehow. So it makes me really happy that, that you like that part, because it made me really happy writing that and and weaving it into to to my little universe so
0: oh absolutely it was so gorgeous i was wondering if you have a favorite line or a scene from either of these fics
1: well for winters covers everything it covers so much and i have so many favorites it's hard to choose but i'm really partial to there's a scene closer to the end of the fic where victor (laughs) drunk dials yuko and so like at that point outside of the, fi- like, this was a part where I was feeling pretty blocked. I-, I didn't know where to go, and I knew that I wanted to write more interactions between Yuko and Victor, because they're also the side of the triangle that has, like, next to nothing in canon. And so it was it was fun for me to write, first of all, because I could kind of just, like, hear their voices when I write. I- that happens to me a lot when I write dialogue. And then I realized I had a way to, to tie it back into canon as a Exists and and my version of canon and it's not totally a fandom blindfic but it is in certain ways but this is one of the little tidbits that people who have seen the show like they'd they'd sort of like get where it was coming from and and I was writing it and I I just felt like like this is what I want to do like this feels like it's respecting canon and not taking things too out of context here's this knot that I was trying to tie up and I figured it out and from that point on, like, the rest of the fic was, like, really easy, and I knew what else I wanted to do with Yuko and Victor and sort of of connect that side of the triangle together, so I'm just, I'm really fond of that scene.
0: (laughs) Oh, so that kind of sounds like that was the lynch point scene for the entire piece.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I think it might have been talking about it now, yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's so cool.
0: I love that. That must have been a really great feeling to finally, like, figure out what you were going to do with that scene. And then like you said, everything else after that was just super easy and kind of brought everything together.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's so awesome. I'm curious about what kind of writer you are.
1: Oh my gosh, I am 10,000% a pantser. (laughs) I want to add planning into it. I want to be able to do outlinings and someday I will figure it out. But I am a pantser at heart, 100%. Maybe it's because, like, writing and reading and stories have been such a huge part of my life for so long. I, I get inspiration from, like, literally anywhere. I'm-, I'm kind of the person that's like, you know, I always have a notepad or a note app because tiny little things from everywhere will, like, bring this, like, fully formed flop buddy into my brain. It's like, I want to turn it off sometimes, but I can't. But So I find myself inspired by music a lot, whether it's the lyrics reminding me of a situation or a character or if it's just, like, the mood that I get from the song. That's a huge source of inspiration. A lot of the times, like I get these fully formed tiny scenes that I want to write down, and then I build something around that. But like secondarily too, just like little dialogue snippets are often like a huge place of inspiration for me because writing dialogue is honestly my favorite part of writing. Is it really? Fic. Yeah. It's like when once I start when I'm writing and I hear the character saying when I'm writing as I'm writing, I'm like, "Yep, this is what they say. I know this. I trust this." It's it's like. The Greatest Feeling.
0: Oh, that's so cool. And the reason I think that's so cool is because, okay, I've said it so many times. I'm not a fan fiction writer in real life, but I pretend to be. And so I do write little pieces here and there that I never publish. They're just for me. But I suck at dialogue. Like, I cannot do it. (laughs) It's (laughs) like, I don't know if it's just because I'm so left hemisphered that the dialogue I come up with sounds so stilted and it just doesn't sound in character. And I've always been fascinated by the folks that can do dialogue so perfectly and so well. I think that the dialogue that you did for these two stories is brilliant. So I've always wondered, what is that?
1: It sounds like you actually hear it. Sometimes. Yeah, not all the time, but I've gotten used to myself as a fic writer and like I know that's one of the signs that I'm I'm on the right track with whatever it is that I'm doing. But yeah, and... The dialogue is hard, and so I feel really lucky that it comes easily to me. It just somehow, I must have like absorbed it by osmosis from all the reading that, that I've done <laughs> right. and, and the things that I've liked. But, but yeah, I, I feel really lucky and really happy that I can do it and that I love to do it.
0: <laughs> now, since dialogue is an aspect of writing that comes naturally to you, is there an aspect of writing that does
1: not, that's more challenging for you? yeah a couple of things i don't know which comes first if if it's because i'm a one-shot writer or i'm a one-shot writer because of this but i i often feel like i don't know how to write a long form plot like to keep the scenes connected and have each scene like quote unquote mean something and not just be fluff that sort of thing i i feel like in terms of if ever to write more of an action-adventure type of fic, I, I I wouldn't know where to start because I'm, I'm not used to that sort of,
0: like... Plot-driven type. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Like, I, I'm so inside the characters' heads most of the time that, like, the inner world of the character and what happens to them, I'm more focused on that than external factors. So I'd like to see if I could get reoriented and, and try different things, but I don't know. That's how I operate. <laughs>
0: I saw someone say the other day that feelings aren't plot. And I just want to go on the record by saying that I don't agree with that at all. Like, to me, (laughs) the introspective character work that are feelings driven, feelings are the plot, people. Like, I don't know what everyone's talking about. Absolutely.
1: (laughs) I'm so glad that you agree. That's so funny.
0: <laughs> now, if you were to give advice to other fan fiction writers out there, what would you say?
1: All right. So this is easier said than done for sure. But always, always write for yourself first. Write for yourself. Because if you do that, then, you know, you'll be close to your ideas. You'll be close to your characters. The writing will come from your heart. And I can guarantee that readers will notice that and they will appreciate that. And even if you don't think so, there's always someone out there who is looking for exactly what you're writing because maybe it doesn't exist or maybe it doesn't exist in the form that you're writing it. So yeah, write for yourself first and everything follows after that.
0: I love that. That is the best advice ever because you know, at the end of the day, yourself, that's all you have left, right? (laughs)
1: Like, Like, And if
0: you can't create for yourself first, right? Then what are you even doing? I love that. That's awesome. So important. Now, I was wondering, I mean, you're such a prolific writer, first of all, 71 projects like (laughs) posted Mm. to AO3. (laughs) My God. Okay. First of all, but I was wondering if you have any current projects that you're working on that you can talk about real quick.
1: Yeah, for sure. I'm the kind of person who has like multiple ongoing projects all the time. So I have my perpetually ongoing ficlet collection for Yuki, Kyo, and Toru. I have a couple of um, ficlets waiting in the wings for that that I'm just finishing up. I want to write some spin-offs to Winter's Covers, everything, like maybe focusing more on Yuri and Victor, and also on my OC, because it's the first time that I wrote an OC for fanfic, like ever, and I'm really attached to her, and I want to explore more of her life. And then... No, I'm trying to get a sci-fi AU of <laughs> Fruits Basket off the ground. But...
0: Oh, that would be so cool!
1: Oh my goodness! And then finally, I have—I'm a huge fan of this small video game series called the To the Moon series by Freebird Games. Y'all need to play them; they're amazing. I am in love, <laughs> and the project is like really niche because it's a, a niche game. And I'm—I'm I'm writing an AU based off of this movie called A Simple Favor in that game universe. So put two niche fandoms together, extremely niche fish, but I'm really enjoying it. I'm having a blast because it's kind of cracky and I'm I'm just having a lot of fun writing it.
0: Oh, that's so cool. I love niche stuff. Just saying, you know, like, (laughs) (laughs) I kind of don't care if anyone else thinks that the stuff I love is cool. I just like what I like. And (laughs) if it's niche, that's fine. <laughs> exactly. Shane. Yeah, that's super cool. I love that. Now, do you have any other fan fiction writers that you follow regularly that you'd like to mention on the show?
1: Oh, 100%. So there's this one author, their suit is uh, Riddle Far, or Snuke, and I can spell that or something if you want, but they write absolutely breathtaking, novel-length, Fruits Basket fan fiction centered around Kyo and Yuki as a couple. And it's gorgeous, absolutely writing goals. Pursuit of repeating history is one of the greatest fruit basket fics I have ever read in my entire life. And then uh, another author, I'm gonna mess up their name, but it's spelled geoduck, but I'm pretty sure it's pronounced gooey duck, because there's some sort of like real life feature pronounced that way. So he writes fruit basket as well, mostly grapples and one shots, and they're really fluffy and soft. And I love them. And then. There's this author named LivJ707, and I follow them for the few To the Moon fics that they have written, which, again, take my breath away, writing goals and all that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, one last fic, a Yuri on Ice fic, and it's called We Have Loved the Stars Too Fondly, and it's like an AU where Yuri is an astronomer and falls in love with Victor, and it's just like this time and space spanning gorgeous thing. That came out five years ago, and I obviously I still think of it to this day, so it's probably my favorite Uriana's fic. Who writes that one? Their name is The Hands Sings Weapon, and it's all one word. Oh,
0: beautiful. That's perfect. Yeah, we'll make sure we have the show notes with the links to all of these fics up in case anybody wants to check those out, because they sound awesome. Jujifruit, those are all the questions I have for you today. Do you have any last words for us?
1: Yeah, so just... Thank you so much for having me on the show and emailing with me back and forth. I've really enjoyed talking with you. And I want to just give a shout out to all of my fellow rare pair and rare fandom and polyship writers. Just keep doing what you're doing. I appreciate you. There are people out there who appreciate you. Even if they don't say anything, I can speak from experience and just keep on trucking. And I will too.
0: Oh, I love that. Thank you so much for that. And thank you so much for joining us today. Check out her stories on AO3, folks. Give her some love. You can find the Fanfic Maverick online at fanficmaverickpodcast.com, on Tumblr at fanficmaverickpodcast, on Instagram at fanficmaverick, and I can also always be reached at fanficmaverick at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, and I will see you next episode. In the meantime, keep on rolling.